You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. You know it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or driven or anything, but Jeeps, this show is for you. Josh, Timmy, Wendy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about, guys... Jeez. Jeeps, of course. All right, I'm just checking. Entertaining is, is, is optional. Making right? sure we're on the same page. There we go. <laughs> Hey, Jeeper, I'm Josh, and on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, I'll be taking, uh, talking about a close call on the trail, rather, that most of us will never experience. And Jeep's parent company is putting a lot of eggs in one basket. We'll talk about some risky moves Stellantis is making, and later, some tech tips and a new segment to the show. Howdy, it's Wendy, and somebody had to volunteer to referee these two boys. <laughs> hey, I'm Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama, and on Jeep Life, how to keep that campfire smoke from following you around oh finally hey and this is tony and i'll be interviewing evan robbins of treadlightly.org you know the people that clean all the trails up make sure that it's taken care of so they don't get get closed down so you and i can go out there and do things and i don't want to take anything away from you wendy i know you guys clean the trails there too and oh no you're you're not tread lightly but uh, i'm sure you're uh, supportive of that organization as well absolutely Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. Well, you typically don't see one of these when you're off-road. All across the state of Arizona, summer storms have caused significant flooding, filling roads and washes with a lot of floodwaters. And a Scottsdale couple found out the hard way just how quickly you can end up in the middle of a flash flood, even though they believed they had taken every precaution while off-roading near Sycamore Creek on Sunday. It came so quick, Richard Chavez said. Hit the tires, and as soon as it hit the tires, it went into my engine. Chavez said as soon as it started raining, the couple decided to head back. But they started recording video as water rushed over the road they came in on. With their only escape route now blocked by fast-moving water, Chavez said he felt trapped. I go off-roading a lot, and I go off edges, but that wasn't anything I was prepared for. Wasn't trained for something like that, he said. I actually got scared. I never get scared when go off-roading, but that shook me up. Driving their Jeep Wrangler and being led by a well-built WJ Grand Cherokee, the group of Jeepers had no problem finding higher ground quickly. Captain Tom Taylor with the Phoenix Fire Department said it's always important to know what you could be facing before heading off-road. He says it's it's critical that you do some research if you're going to be going out, especially recreationally, camping or off-roading. At least see what the forecast is for the area that you're going to be in. It could be a lot different than where you're leaving from. Despite the surprise, the couple did do the right thing by leaving the canyon once it started to rain and seeking higher ground. The best thing to do is turn around and get out of the area if that's at all possible. If you're stuck in a water during a flash flood, get to higher ground. It only takes about a foot or two of water, depending on how fast it's traveling, to wash just about any vehicle off of a road surface. And if you're on a dirt road, that's an even worse situation, since there can be rocks, logs, and other debris in the water that can cause further damage. Now, one thing most people have a hard time grasping during a flash flood is that it's not just about the water being washed through the valley. There are also broken branches, a ton of debris. There could even be furniture, metal trash cans, and other vehicles caught in the current, all of which would make for a very hairy situation. When you said hard time time grasping, I was thinking uh, ankles. Uh, They were trying to grab their ankles so that they could, uh, you know. Well, they they might have been thinking to kiss a goodbye. Yeah, here we go. (laughs) 
I know it's now, a big Tony, deal uh, in the deserts, you know, having that flash flooding and there's so many people out here, even in the deserts that not necessarily off-roaders, but people that think they can drive their basic, you know, Prius across okay. three inches of water and wonder why it's floating down the, the creek. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. Now, now, Tony, flooding is really kind of the main reason why you bought your first Jeep uh, was because of the torrential downpour and the high water that your uh, your area in Texas sees all too often. Yeah, tropical, uh, all too often tropical and hurricanes. Uh, absolutely. I wanted to get it up high and uh, so I could uh, traverse uh, high water. And I will tell you this, uh, water doesn't scare me. Well, I take that back. It does scare me because you can't see uh, what what may not be there because the water is hiding mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, generally speaking, uh, with proper looking around and seeing you know, that there's no gaping holes anywhere else, you can safely navigate deep water. Uh, the thing that I will absolutely not do, and I want to make sure that I reiterate here, do not transverse fast-moving water. Josh just mentioned it. It is mm-hmm. You will get swept away very easily. I don't care how, mm-hmm. how heavy you think that is. Now, if you're in an M1 Abrams tank, you might be okay. <laughs> I don't care how big your snorkel is, uh, how much waterproofing hey, yeah. you're going through. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, uh, yeah. Once you once you you get flotation, uh, you lose all bits of control, and there's there's it's very very rare that you're going to get it back. Steering gets uh, a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. I said, wow, <laughs> power steering. Great. You go. You got two rudders at that point. Wow. Uh, right. I'm I'm free. This is kind of nice. Yeah. Bye bye. Now, uh, uh, Wendy, have you ever seen flash flooding uh, up and up where you guys are at? Has, has there ever been enough not, rainfall? Not up, but yes, in other parts of the the, the Southern California, absolutely. I can yeah, imagine not, that. Yeah, and even up now, here in Big Bear, because of the way the the town is situated, like we had the monsoon season right now, and the rain is coming from the mountains, and it just comes across the road. I mean, it's not huge, you know, rivers uh, and okay. streams like that, but it's definitely That's water was- flowing. But yeah. yeah, I was going to bring that up because off off the air, we were talking about how you're getting some t- seriously torrential downpours. And I was curious to see if, if it ever collected or would come down the mountain uh, in yep. enough uh, where you would kind of find yourself in this kind of a situation. I'm not sure the road necessarily has it, but you see all these people with sandbags around their house on the, you know, the, the lower side of the road, if you will. Yep. Because on the high side, they know when the rain comes down, the water washes through, they got to protect their houses. So... It's pretty serious. We just don't have enough rain, I think, all the time to get people used to it. So it surprises people. Gee whiz, California, you gotta love it. Houses floating by while they're on fire. It's and just, fish. it's just wonderful. <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's something, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, will forty percent of all Jeeps be electric by twenty? No. Atlantis has a. <laughs> Stellantis has a goal of electrified vehicles accounting for more than 40% of its U.S. sales by 2030. However, most speculators and a lot of its dealers in the network think this is not even close no, to being possible. No. The chief the chief executive of Stellantis, Carlos Tavares, believes uh, demand for electrified vehicles will rise dramatically as people become more sensitive to climate change. He also oh believes boy. the moon Give is made of cheese and that fairy dust is the answer to homelessness. <laughs> there I'm, you go. Of course. <laughs> kidding. But he does believe that training dealers on how to sell electric vehicles to customers who didn't originally want one will play a big part in the company reaching its sales target in the company in the coming years. Yeah, I, I suppose that may work, but really? Now, Stellantis hopes consumers will buy into electrified vehicles the same way that they did cell phones. 
except most <laughs> cell phones cost less than a thousand dollars and everybody needs a way to communicate especially on the go oh sure we may not have realized in the late 90s or whenever just how convenient having a computer camera phone gps and more all in one device that fits in your pocket would be but i really don't see that same craze happening with electric vehicles especially electric jeeps now electric cars and global warming have been around for how long now Stellantis exactly. is putting a lot of eggs basket hoping people will sub that they have an undying need to destroy the planet by owning an electric vehicle. When automakers will start telling the truth about what mining for the materials to make the batteries for electric cars does to the planet is beyond me, but I digress. To say that nearly half of your vehicle production will be exclusively electric vehicle is an unrealistic goal for a number of reasons. First, you have this whole chip shortage going on right now, which is slated to continue well into next year, supposedly, and we still don't know what the long-term effects of this will be moving forward. Then there's the fact that the market of the market demand. Millennials are at the bottom of the list when it comes to car shoppers, and the way that the cities like the one that I live in are forcing people out of their cars and onto bicycles is going to have dealers <laughs> looking, for a, looking for smaller lots, not more electric vehicles. Stellantis is positioning Jeep as the brand to lead its push towards electric vehicles and has committed over $35 billion, that's billion with an M, through the year 2025 in its electrification goals. The Wrangler has always been a bestseller and the 4xe or 4xe is proving popular, lasting an average of just five days on dealership lots. That unto itself is noteworthy, but as we have seen, it could be under false pretenses with real-world tests showing that the claimed 30 miles of EV range in the 4XE Wrangler to be significantly less than what's been advertised. We will see what happens over the next, oh, I don't know, eight or so years as Jeep finds new ground under its new parent company, Stellantis, who has big goals for a lot of electrification. So, Wendy, wasn't I, it recently that uh, California asked you not to charge your, uh, charge your vehicles because of power it's, shortages? It's still going on. You know, if there's uh, a it? fire somewhere, which we have a huge one going on in Northern California... People have to conserve electricity. They're telling everybody not to charge their cars or their phones or their computers or their life. You know, just forget about <laughs> I'm, it. I'm, uh, yeah. And I'm hearing like, you know, don't turn on the AC until like eight o'clock at night, you know, or it's something ridiculous. like that. Yeah. Wait until the house the is 105 on the, yeah. on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, I, I, I don't know the, the chief executive of Stellantis personally, but I think he's maybe smoking some of that fairy dust. Because I don't, I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> I'll just and, mention, uh, I liked it a lot better when Mike Manley was in charge. Yeah, yeah me too. I want my boy Mike Manley oh. come, to come back. Uh, we, we need to get the reins back in, in the proper hands, I think. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on, on this one, Wendy. I, I, I think that uh, Tavares is, is smoking something. It's lofty goals for sure. Um, sure. I, I think that, that you know, he's, he's definitely trying to put the best foot forward and, and you know, saying, hey, we want to be green. We want to be this. We want to be that. Here's our goals and everything like that. But, you know, putting it all out there like that and, 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 and committing yourself, especially with so much money. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It just seems like uh, you know, a bold move that is just destined to not pay off. Uh, now, I could be completely wrong. We've, we've I, been honestly, wrong before. I, well, <laughs> no, but now wait a minute. In the last episode, you talked about they they advertised thirty miles of that range, but it was what was it three point one? Well, so nobody's come on now. Wendy, you, nobody's going to say, "Oh yeah, I need one of those four XEs because I need to go three miles." <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> problem, a mile and a half okay, because you got to get back. <laughs> they're going to get out there on the trail. They're going to block it up for everybody else who just wants to play through. So come on now. <laughs> play through that's no, good because it's kind of like a I, golf I, cart at this point isn't it yes, yes. 
I know a I know a fan of the show. Uh, somebody who's listening. Uh, his name is RJ, uh, and, uh, and he and I have met up a couple times before. Um, and uh, he actually flagged me down in a parking lot. And, Aren't you Josh from the Jeep Talk Show? It was like the, my one and only fan experience. <laughs> for, for about a half a second, I felt like a celebrity. It was great. Uh, but no, um, Archie, I think, just bought a 4XE. Uh, he and his family. Oh, and, that's uh, what he has to say. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm really curious to see what he has to say. Uh, maybe we can get him to call on the show. Maybe i uh, text him and, and see if he can't... Uh, uh, give us another real world review. I don't know if he's had it off road yet or not. Um, I don't I, even know if I don't think delivery. he has. Well, you know what? He might have. I'm not sure because I, I follow him on Facebook. He follows me on Facebook. So I'll have to check oh, it out. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so hey, RJ, you're a celebrity too. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, so I'm, I'm, I, I, at least I have somewhat of an access to somebody who, yes. uh, who has one of these locally, uh, to me, yes. anyways. Uh, so I, I may be able to, uh, to get an unbiased review. That may or may not shed some some light on uh, on this uh, this problem with uh, thirty miles of of claimed EV range being a tenth of what it you know what it really is. So uh, yeah, we'll see how that all plays out, uh, and of course we'll see how you know how this is going to all play out with Jeep and Stellantis here in the next eight years. I mean, they've got about eight years or so uh, until this this twenty twenty five mark comes around, um, or at least uh, you know twenty thirty rather, um, and thirty five billion through twenty twenty five. I mean, that's only another four years. To spend $35 billion. I mean, if Jeep. they're looking at getting a, a really nice Jeep podcast, I mean, they could just for a fraction of that, maybe just a billion. For a fraction of that. Could, maybe just 1% of that. And we're, uh, all, we're all electric. Smidgen. We're all electric. We, we, sure. We're green here. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'll take Absolutely. a 4 So, you, you mentioned here that the Wrangler has always been a bestseller. I think with electrification of the Wrangler, uh, they probably will fix that. It will stop being a bestseller oh, right. very quickly. Gosh. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Come on, G. It's going to be wall crawlers. Ugh. Love electric. It's just not know. time for it yet. Now, you heard back in, what was it, episode 499, uh, I was talking about the, uh, the the video that Jeep had released about you know the future of Jeep. What is, what is to yep. come in the next 10 years? And there was a big push for, for electrification in, in that. Um, but there was also a big push for a lot of other technology. And I think that if any degree of that technology does come to fruition, that that alone is going to be enough to sort of make up for the fact that uh, this EV range is, is, is very lackluster or that they don't hit their EV goal of 40% of their manufacturing being all electric uh, by 2030. If, you, if the technology is there that really wows us, I think everybody can sort of... Uh, um, put aside the fact that they didn't make their goals or that 40% of their, their fleet isn't, uh, isn't electric. So there's a lot to come. There's a lot that's going to happen here in the next few years, in the next eight years at least. Um, and I'm kind of curious what's going to happen after 2025. Uh, it seems like that is sort of a line in the sand um, that we can expect some changes to start happening either at 2025 or the following year. So um, yeah, I guess we wait and see. If you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Any number of ways that you can reach out to us and engage with the show. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to reach out. Hey, coming up a little bit later in the show, we've got an interview with Evan Robbins from treadlightly.org. I'm sure you've heard about Tread Lightly. We're going to talk with him and a little bit more about what Tread Lightly is and what they do. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. And if you haven't been over to the 4x4radionetwork.com website, be sure to check it out and tell your friends as well. We've got something for every kind of off-roader. The On the Trail podcast, Trail Chasers, the Center Steer podcast, the 4x4 podcast, the Jeep Talk Show is there too. 
lots of great off-road shows. It's all for free. It's all in one spot. Just go to 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, if you've never worked on your own Jeep, well, it's okay. We'll have some tips that anyone can do to their Jeep. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've listened to you guys for free for how years now, and I figured I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out, and, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on, because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little bit you rat bastard (laughs) you rat bastard if you're listening for free you're a rat bastard so you need to go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact look and see how you can become a paid subscriber oh and while you're there check out the store and uh you know buy some of those uh yeah those little uh, rat bastard toe tags so you can go out there and infect jeeps and be an official jeep talk show infectious agent it's eight dollars eight bucks yeah for 20, 20 tags we're yeah. literally not making any That's money no 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 eight money dollars how can you not become an infectious agent for us yes. infectious agent rat bastard toe tag kit eight bucks head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash shop right now from the mind of Nikki g hey this is Nikki g and last week wendy when i mentioned that you should Leave a bag of poo on somebody's front porch. Uh, I didn't mean my front porch. <laughs> I did not enjoy <laughs> it one it. bit. You found it. Although found uh, it. Sir Craps a lot seem to to like it. It's a little bit different than the uh, kitty litter box that he usually dines at. Well, that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you: whatever you do, do not spell the word "part" backwards. It's a trap. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. And you have a good one. Bye. But that's not why oh, I'm calling. Roca. <laughs> Kitty Roca. Oh, man. Like Almond Roca, but a lot different. But sim- yeah, similar. You got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I just, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! I've got to admit, I haven't always been so knowledgeable when it comes to wrenching. And even now, I still learn tricks and different or better ways to do things. And with the number of vehicles I see over the course of a year, I'm also lucky enough to get to work on a variety of vehicles, doing a variety of different things to them. What I'm getting here at is that it's okay if you've never worked on your Jeep before. But I'm a firm believer that the more that you work on your own rig, the better you will know it. It's the same principle as seat time. You were probably scared out of your mind the first double black diamond trail you hit, but now look at you. You're a full-fledged rock crawler. It takes time to develop the confidence to do something without worrying about it or freaking yourself out over what to do or how to do it. Working on your Jeep is literally no different. But you don't have to be a master mechanic or even have a huge tool chest to get familiar with your Jeep. So if you're one of the thousands of listeners we have out there that doesn't even own a wrench, well, we're going to start with you. Look, there's no shame in your game if you don't own tools, but love jeeping. Who can blame you? There's a lot to love about using our jeeps the way that they were intended. So if you're just starting out and you've never worked on your jeep before, here are some easy tasks to help you build your confidence, save some money, and keep your jeep running great. The first thing that you should do is prepare your workspace. If you live in a hot climate, you're going to want to make sure that you have some shade. 
and some moving air. You'd be surprised about how much a $20 box fan works to keep you cool on a hot summer day while working on your Jeep. If you live in a cold or a wet climate, you're going to want to have some cover, and especially something to lay on that won't soak up the rain. And if you have a garage that your Jeep fits in, even better! Just make sure that you have things cleaned out well enough that you can get to every side of the Jeep without tripping over stuff. This will keep you safe, prevent accidents, and, well, make anything you do with the Jeep go much more efficiently. The last thing you want to do is be tripping over a Christmas tree in July as you top off your washer fluid. Now, next, you're going to want to familiarize yourself with the Jeep's vitals. Learn how to check all the fluids, from the coolant to the oil, the transmission fluid, brake fluid, even transfer case and differential fluids, too. Learning how to check the fluids that are the lifeblood of your Jeep is both easy and can save you from a serious breakdown. There are a ton of videos out there that can not only show you where to check these fluids, but how to check them and what to look for when you do. You also want to check your tire pressure, too. An air gauge can be purchased from well, pretty much everywhere. I think they even have them at grocery stores. So if you don't have one, at least consider a tire pressure gauge as your first tool purchase. Having the proper air pressure in all your Jeep's tires will help keep the Jeep rolling smooth, steering straight, and will help maximize your fuel efficiency. Another thing, another easy thing to do is some basic battery maintenance. If you start to see that snow cone-like substance building, building up on your battery terminals, well, that's corrosion, and it is no good. It is bad for the battery, bad for the terminals, and even the charging system and cables, too. So clean it off by dousing it with Coca-Cola. Or pick up some battery terminal cleaner from the parts store while you're there picking out a tire gauge. Another easy-to-do task that generally doesn't require tools is replacing your windshield wipers. Wipers are, in, are in essentially year-round to keep bugs, road grime, and even mud and dust from the trail from building up on your windshield. That's what you have to look through to navigate your Jeep, so let's keep it clean. And always keep your washer fluid topped off. Here's another tip. If your Jeep is still stock, then the stock jack and tire iron that are usually found in every Jeep is a good way to learn how to rotate your tires. You pretty much already have everything you need, and if you have a spare on the back, it's time to bring that into rotation. Sure, jack stands would be helpful, but I bet you know somebody who has a set that you could borrow. I also see jack stands at virtually every garage sale I have ever been to. And be sure to check Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace for killer deals on things like used jack stands or even tools. Rotating your Jeep's tires will keep the tire tread wear even and even keep your tires lasting longer than they would otherwise. The next thing I would recommend you do is going to be a step up in the mechanical skills, but it's one of the easiest things to do to a Jeep outside of flipping the rearview mirror. And that's changing your own oil. This will take some basic hand tools, but you can get a really good set of tools with all the sockets and wrenches you will need to do basic maintenance on virtually any Jeep for less than you think. If this is something that you think may be over your head, well, let me put it this way. If you can change a light bulb and have the skills to pump your own gas, well, then I'm confident you can learn how to change your own oil with ease. Check out any one of the thousands of videos online on how to change your oil. The bonus is, is that most Jeeps are high enough off the ground that you don't even need a jack or jack stands to make it happen. Plus, you get to choose your own oil and the kind of filter you want to run. Yeah, that's a good talking, talking point around the next campfire. Yep. A couple of oil changes, and you'll be ready to tackle more and more wrenching, more maintenance, and even some basic repairs when the time comes. Replacing an alternator or even a sensor can oftentimes be extremely easy and can save you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in repair bills. After a while, you may just find yourself with a tool addiction and a desire to share your knowledge with others. Now look at you. You're basically a mechanic now, and all you had to do was listen to the Jeep Talk Show. There I'm you sure, go. I'm Good. sure I'll get some blowback on this, but uh, one of the, I think, things that keep people from getting involved in working on their vehicle is purchasing of tools, because tools can be extremely expensive. They can be. 
if you've heard all the the people whining and the gnashing of teeth about buying snap-on tools excellent tools but i i just went down to walmart it's been a number of years ago now and uh i bought a a metric uh socket uh deep socket set uh for like 20 bucks uh that's uh, made by stanley and i got one that was sae and then i also got a really nice uh ratchet uh three eighths inch ratchet for those sockets just to have a spare one and i haven't I've, i've done a lot of work on my jeeps uh since then and i have had zero issues with that i mean it was you know like maybe 50 bucks I have a full set of sockets, uh, metric SAE, and a good uh, long-handled three-eighths inch drive. So it doesn't require spending a lot of money to be able to do a lot of work on your Jeep. Yeah, yeah, really though. So just do some shopping around. Um, Used tools are, are, you know, oftentimes a great way to start. Uh, Start building your tool, your 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 tool kit, or you know, your tool supply, uh, tool collection, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, and I mean, a simple toolbox, really, you can pick one up for about 10 bucks or so, uh, nothing big, nothing fancy, nothing even with drawers, just a box to throw stuff in. And oftentimes if you get one of those like mechanics tool sets, it's got 150 pieces in it and you get it for about a hundred bucks or something like that. Uh, those oftentimes come with their own case and well, everything's right there and it's all good to go. Well, and two, I would say for newbies, you know what, you probably have a friend that has these tools who knows how to work on stuff. So Put yourself in a position to be over there to help them or ask them to help you learn. And that's a great way to learn as well. So, yeah, nothing wrong with having a, uh, a wrench spotter, right? You know, mm-hmm. somebody that no. can uh, be there and tell you what to do and, and yes. how to do it. And, and, and that way you're sort of getting firsthand information. You're getting instructed, you're getting taught what to do yep. and how to do it from, from, you know, firsthand experience from somebody right there versus having to get up, climb out from underneath the Jeep, go back into the house. Okay, I got to go back to that video. Okay, what was that? What was he talking about? Okay, scroll back. All right, now go back out to the Jeep and go try and do what you just saw. So, I mean, yeah, having a a wrench spotter uh, there in the driveway with you or on the garage floor with you uh, can go miles as far as uh, helping you learn something very quickly. A 10 millimeter spotter is worth their weight in gold. Let's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> put a lanyard on that one. It, it, I was cuss. just going to say, give them a special pocket. This Don't do anything else with it, but hold this. <laughs> well, if you have anything to add, we would love to hear what you have to say. Or maybe you have a question for Tech Talk. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. The Jeep Talk Show. It's not about us. It's about you, the listeners. It's Tim from Torrance. Hey, Jeepers. This is uh, Rob. Hey, guys. It's Cody with TrailChasers.net with another grand adventure. Hey, guys. This is Cody from Indiana. Hello, Jeep Talk Show crew. This is FJ Rick. Hi, guys. This is Joe. If a turtle doesn't have a shell, is he naked or homeless? Hey guys, this is Ron out in Arizona. Hey, hey, what's up? Jeep Talk Show. This is Jake from Oregon Trail Off Road. Hi, this is Jake from California, and I'm sitting here eating pork rinds for breakfast. <laughs> hey, this is uh, PAG Freak. Hey, Tony, Josh, Danny, Sexy Jake calling. This is John, pre-runner in 1982, and on today's radio context segment, I'm going to talk about APRS, Anal Probe Restraint System. No! No. That's not right. We love our listeners. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. 
Hi, Hill boys and girls. It's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview. Tonight, we're going to be talking with uh, somebody from Tread Lightly. You know, you've heard about this. If you're not already a member, uh, I know you've heard about it. You've maybe seen them out there organizing uh, trail cleanups. Uh, and uh, well, at any rate, we're going to be talking with Evan Robbins. He is the Educational and Stewardship Program Manager for Tread Lightly. He has been with Tread Lightly for 10 years and works to support the trail access responsibility uh, of responsible motorized recreation and ethical land use. Evan spends his spare time in, uh, doing archery, hunting, and fly fishing all over the U.S. and has been riding around and driving Jeeps since he was a little pup. Uh, <laughs> everybody loves Jeep dogs. To find out more about Evan's story about responsible trail use, please visit treadlightly.org. So I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the Jeep in the intro I just read for you. Uh, the uh, I, that was one of the things I was going to ask you about is if you were a Jeeper, and uh, obviously you are. Oh yeah, yeah, man. Grew up with Jeeps. I mean, I I grew up here in northern Utah. My dad was an aircraft mechanic, and so we we were always kind of ranching on stuff. So like <laughs> just like that, we kind of had Jeeps, and then we were kind of outdoorsy folks anyhow hunting and fishing and you know being out in, in public lands there's a lot of that here in northern utah you know so you got to get out there somehow and what what better mechanism is there than than a good old jeep so let me so we had, yeah, look, we had a couple different vehicles we had a scout i was but, just gonna ask cherokees you mostly <laughs> i was just gonna ask you so how many cherokees did you have <laughs> yeah like three cherokees you know one of them so one of them we drove all across the country on like family road trips and then that later became like my high school ride. Uh-huh. You know, for a short time, they, I had a Toyota Supra, but that's that's another story for another podcast. Oh, that's a good one to get killed you know, in. But, <laughs> but so I had, I had the, the Cherokee, just XJ, I think it was like a 91 or something uh, for a long time, all through high school. It was fun. A lot of good times in that. And obviously, still hunting and fishing during that time. So we had a lot of good times. And, and then uh, I bought one too, like I think in like in 2000. No, maybe it's 2002. Uh-huh. I bought a 2000 XJ kind of, you know, I always liked them and then I wanted to build on one. So I still have that today, you know, and it's not, it's not crazy built out, but it still runs, gets me everywhere. And, you know, I love it, man. Oh, even a, a stock four wheel drive Jeep is, uh, will get you lots of places you don't need to go. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and it's always kind of been my way to pursue other types of recreation as well. You know, so like I love wheeling and I do a lot of tech type of stuff here in in the west and all over really but but man i love kind of parking those too and going hiking and doing some other things you know so it's a cool connection and, and i really love it for a lot of reasons all the public lands for a lot of reasons and and yeah without those vehicles there's no way i could enjoy all that or any of us could right so uh, i think that's really important what you just said there about enjoying the uh the the outdoors the off-road and one of those things is we have so many government officials that uh, will keep us from using that if it's burned or abused uh, through trash or irresponsible wheeling. And and that's kind of what Tread Lightly is about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So we were, you know, created in uh, 1985 to kind of talk about responsible motorized use in public lands. It's by the Forest Service, actually in my hometown, which is just kind of ironic. Uh, Ogden, Utah is where the Region 4 Forest Service office is. So the Tread Lightly message was created there just kind of as a PSA that they were using. And, you know, that got some traction kind of higher up, you could say, in the Forest Service and thought it would be a good idea if that, you know, turned into a a nonprofit that could better leverage, you know, private funding to support public land projects. So, 
you know, 1990, it turned into a nonprofit. And that's what we do today. We have eight staff members and, you know, we all work to just support public land access and responsible motorized use. And we do that through our memberships, you know, so all you guys that are members, thank you. And please sign up if you're not, because that really helps us in our mission to protect trail access, you know, and tell the story about responsible motorized use. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we also have a bunch of cool partners that support us and, and within the industry. And so thanks to all those partners that, you know, that kind of helps us leverage opportunities that the the land managers maybe don't have funding to support um you know a lot of that comes from the industry and from our members and our partners so you know that's kind of how tread lightly set up and i run the kind of trail ambassador you could say or the land use part for tread lightly so we call that education and stewardship you know so i do a lot of our signage projects and trail use type of projects where we're doing infrastructure we may be cleaning up a trail or a campsite or you know fixing a water culvert or you know, all kinds of things, grading roads, cutting new trails in some cases, uh, get to have a lot of fun, you know, but we take it real serious. And, and you know, again, it's not possible without our, our partners and, and supporters like the Jeep Talk Show and others that help us get the word out and, and share what responsible motorized use looks like. Yeah, before we did the interview, I was on the uh, the treadlightly.org uh, website, and again, that's treadlightly.org, and if you want to look at the membership, uh, especially while you're listening here to the interview, treadlightly.org slash support slash members, and of course, we'll have those links in the show notes so you uh, you people don't have to uh, actually write anything down. You know, we try to make it easy for you. But anyway, I was looking at the uh, uh, looking at the site, and I, I was noticing all the... Uh, uh, businesses, I guess they were small businesses, large businesses. Scroll yeah. along the bottom of the of the screen, and I saw Adobe, which I was really surprised to see. I, I thought that was cool yeah. that Adobe is one of your one of your uh, uh, business supporters. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. They've supported a, a number of motorized projects here. They have a a uh, headquarters, I guess, in um, you know northern Utah, Utah County, uh-huh. and they offer a grant actually, and so we were awarded one of their grants uh, last year, so in 2020, which was a great time. You know, everybody knows it was just crazy time, and uh, you know we want to continue doing trail projects. Adobe was gracious enough to give us some funding to do that, so yeah, we put that money up here on a really popular motorized trail section. It's really become a destination spot here in the in the Salt Lake Valley. Um, called skyline drive and you know did some motorized trail education signage and did some cleanups in places where you know people are, are leaving some trash and not behaving so well and yeah it's, it was really great and we work with you know all kinds of companies that that want to support public lands and you know really understand what mixed use recreation is and i think that's what you know when we're jeeping and when we're, we're out in our rigs that that really is what we're talking about and what we're participating in is mixed use recreation you know, those trail systems support all kinds of uses and, you know, where your where your trail stops and mine stops may be different, but we still need that road access. And that's a lot about what Tread Lightly talks about is, you know, how we're good ambassadors of of our sport, you know, what whatever type of sport it is you enjoy in public lands. And and then we're also good stewards of those lands, you know, and, and that, that'll help us give, give good opportunities for future generations to enjoy. Right. Now, speaking of, uh, of uh, interactions with other businesses, uh, you guys yeah. actually have an interaction with a business that can actually get you a discount on a brand new Jeep uh, from, from what yeah, I'm reading. Right. Yeah, if you guys sign up as $100 members, you can get a discount. You know, I, I believe it's uh, 3% off or maybe it's 1% off, sorry, of factory invoice from Chrysler. You know, so you can get a Jeep. Um, I don't know. I think there's any limits as far as which model 
as far as I know. So I, that's a really popular one. Oh yeah. You know, I hope you guys aren't signing up just for that, but that's not a bad reason <laughs> to sign up for. Well, you know, the, you, you get them in. It's like it's like uh, the old Radio Shack battery free battery club where you the, you go in the Radio Shack to get a free battery once a month, and they got you in the yeah. store, and then then you can yeah. make a sale. So this is kind of like you're doing a free battery thing here. You buy a Jeep, and now you learn more about Tread Lightly. You know, I signed up for this thing. Let me learn about it. And you know, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I'd like to be a part of that. Exactly. So just, yeah, you're getting no. them into the store here, Evan. Think of it that way. <laughs> yes, sir. No, they're a great partner, too. You know, we're so lucky, you know, again, in our partnerships and, you know, what, what we've been able to do in our 30-year history. And so that's been a big piece of it. And, yeah, yeah, you should take advantage of that if you're in the market. There's lots of cool Jeeps out right now. I know being an XJ owner, I just want, I want one of those real bad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, now, like when it's broken down in my garage, and I'm like, oh man, yeah, well, Gladiator JK used sounding kind of nice. I have a uh, I have a 1998 Jeep Cherokee that I've had from when it was brand new, and I've done a lot of work on it, and I want to take it off road, but unfortunately, driving on the highway at highway speeds, it overheats. So after many years of fighting this thing and not finding a solution, uh, I've just decided that I was going to get a tow rig. So I recently, I recently picked up a uh, 2021 Jeep Gladiator, uh, also red in color, as, as is the XJ. And uh, I, uh, I will be using that to tow the, the Cherokee off-road. And the interesting thing was, whenever I was dealing with uh, South Fork Chrysler Deech, uh, a Dodge Jeep Ram uh, down here in, uh, in Southeast Texas, uh, a dealership, that was one of the things they told me about. He goes, if you're not already signed yeah. up as a Tread Lightly Light, uh, Light member, you need to get signed up and you can get a discount with FCA. So I knew about that one before the interview. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, that's a popular one, man. And, the, you know, a lot of our, our partners and, and dealers across the country really uh, leverage that good for us. So we appreciate it, man. And that's a, that's a cool way to get your Cherokee out into the woods. I oh like yeah. That. yeah, that's gonna be fun. A tow a tow a jeep with a jeep. Uh, that will be yeah, another that, good. What could be better? Exactly. Yeah. So when <laughs> when they first came out with that, I went, oh man, I, you know, how cool would it be? And I didn't think it'd ever happen, but uh, yeah, it did. So uh, so anyway, uh, you know, getting out into the wilderness, getting out off road with our vehicles, whether it be uh, off roading in a vehicle or like you were talking about hiking, fishing, hunting. Uh, that that's really important for that stuff to be there. What do you guys do specifically uh, to to help uh, keep all that all that stuff open and uh, not having the Forest Service or another government entity close it down for us? Yeah, yeah, a lot a lot of things. You know, it's it's uh, really takes the whole community to manage public lands, and I mean they're public lands, right? So there there are places to to manage and to take care of just as much as they are to play in. And so for one, I think telling the story about how much the motorized community gives back. That's one of the things Tread Lightly does really well, you know, is we share that story, you know, with, with our community and, and with others within the industry, you know, about how, how much and how effective the motorized industry is in giving back to public lands all across the country. So that's one of the things that we do. Uh, we also update infrastructure and, you know, we call them interpretive signage. So that's education type of signage you might see on a trailhead or access point to a park, um, say if you're back east or wherever you may be, may be wheeling at. And so we, we do a lot of projects to, to update signage. You know, and then in those type of projects, we always try to engage the local community and then the industry at large to help support that type of work. Um, you know, so you may see our logo on, you know, various trail system signages all, you know, all across the country. And, you know, that's really a big piece of how we support. And then we work on a, a number of 
trail cleanup projects each year. So, you know, where we're actually out, you know, removing, you know, it's all kinds of things, you know, dump trailers in some cases, you know, obviously trash, um, you know, sometimes we lately we've been working on a number of recreational shooting sites, you know, and just kind of cleaning those up so we can continue to have access to those places. Um, you know, I say recreational shooting site, but they're on trails that, you know, the offered community loot uses and that we all love. And so, you know, we're all, we're all in that together. And, and yeah, you know, so we do all types of projects. We also interface with, you know, government agencies and other, other organizations to create like social media type of packages, you know, um, print and digital PSAs. So those are public service announcements. PSA knows just another form of, of education that people can, can get. We do kind of commercial bits with various, various stakeholders and, um, you know, work with state and, and federal entities in their, you know, education campaigns to, you know, develop responsible writers within their states. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of touches on most of it. I don't know if I probably missed something, one or two things in there. We, oh, we also have a, uh, a we call it tread trainer so it's a tread that tra- it's a, a train the trainer type of program and that talks about you know tread lightly's history you know how to get access to some of our education materials as an educator um you know how you set up education courses and there's a couple levels of that you know and that's supported by a federal highway administration grant that that we work under and so yeah you know we kind of have formal and informal type of training you know that all fits within education and stewardship and then you know the on the ground aspect where we're updating trail signage and infrastructure type of work and cleanups and and all that does that make sense tony oh absolutely so uh, obviously you guys are eight people so you can't be out be going out there and putting up signs and and cleaning trails by yourself i would assume i guess this yeah. is where the members would come on board sure yeah we get a lot of help from our members our club members especially you know they they kind of help channel opportunities to to us and to our our partners so we have some grant programs that help you know get clubs and partners um funding to support their local types of trails so that's one way that we get to so many places and then you'd be surprised how many trail projects i actually end up on tony i do i'm usually on about 30 a year so uh you know i get out there a bunch we don't just kind of put up signs or you know sit in an office somewhere i i get out and wheel my jeep all over at you know most of the the major events and, and we try to give back to those places you know it's so like easter jeep safari you know king of the hammers and the list goes on right well you know the hats off to you because i know whenever i was a kid and my mom you know gave me that that final ultimatum that i couldn't do go outside i couldn't watch tv <laughs> until i cleaned up my room everything got shoved into the uh, into the closet and i just hope she didn't go in there and look i'm assuming you guys are, are a little more meticulous than that oh yeah no we uh so just a couple days ago we did a project on a historic town site in northern nevada called pine grove which is you know a really famous place if you're into kind of gold mining history you know it's kind of part of part of the lure of what brought people kind of western oh yeah or west during the expansion you know and during the mid 1800s so so because of the arid environment out there in the in the great basin um you know the buildings are just very well preserved and so so we worked you know, for a couple of days to to clear about fifteen hundred pounds of vegetation, um, to build kind of a fire barrier around these historic buildings, and yeah, so you know, once we were done, once so we had a compact a compactor, we you know compacted and and you know basically ground up all the veg, 
And then we, you know, send that into compost and, and, you know, hopefully that'll be recycled and reused to, to grow some other, other plants somewhere, you know, and just right. be used in, in an ethical and responsible way. And that, that's what Treadlight is about. So uh, the thing I heard there, which, which was really cool is I think everybody loves pulling in someplace to see things that they've never seen before. And without your effort to, to you know, get the vegetation off of it, that's also going to tear down uh, the structures over time because the, the plants are going to uh, hold water and things are going to happen to those buildings. What a wonderful thing where you can pull into an area with these really old structures and see them. Sure. You know, absolutely well, something that you don't see uh, in just your normal everyday drive-down-the-road car. You, you have to be off-road in an environment uh, to see these things many times. So uh, yeah. that's wonderful that you guys are doing that. Uh, that's got to be, I guess it's got to be its own reward because it sounds like really hard work. Yeah, you know, we work hard. I mean, my eyes were swollen for a couple of days from breathing ground up sagebrush and whatnot. And, and uh, you know, so you, you pay a price for a certain degree, but, you know, what you get to see are some beautiful places and you get to interact with the best type of people you know, and, and, uh, you know, give back to a place like, I mean, me, I don't live in Northern Nevada. I'm probably not going to go, go out there and wheel every weekend or anything, but you know, there, there are people that, that are, and those folks that showed up and volunteered on that project, they're going to be out there, you know, and then just the hundreds or thousands or who knows how many other folks are going to go out there and enjoy that this season. Right. And so, yeah, there's a, there's an awesome reward in that, you know, and then obviously get to be out there and look at those beautiful places and, you know, it's always an adventure ourselves getting out there, right? We're, we're, we're wheeling too. So, um, you know, I'm breaking trailer tires and, you know, taking taking hard lines for the cameras all the time. And it's fun. <laughs> you know, we do it in a responsible way. And I think that's that's a big point that we want to get across is, you know, tread lightly doesn't mean that you can't have fun. And anyone who wheels with me or goes riding on, on trails with me knows that, you know, we have a lot of fun. Um, but we do that in a responsible way, right? So time and place. You know, there's a place to go crawling up the rock slab and there's a place where you don't. Right. right. And there's a time to go fast and there's a time when you don't. And I think that's, you know, that's really what ethics is about, you know, kind of understanding and being aware of how your actions impact other people. And, you know, we want to be good ambassadors of what, you know, the four wheel drive community is. And so for, yeah, everybody listening out there, I know, I know most of you guys do the right thing, but. You know, sometimes it's the hardest to educate the people who are closest to you that might not be behaving appropriately, you know, so take that chance or, you know, be that person to, you know, correct your buddy when they're not behaving so well. So uh, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but if you have an interesting, uh, most interesting thing that you've found during the cleanup and if it's uh, several pounds of gold, start with that one. Yeah, no, we were joking about (laughs) it, you know, that if. If uh, we found a big nugget of gold, that we might just have to cut the project short and bail out. You know, and then <laughs> and we never to, hear from that again. Travel but down no, to Vegas no. and double your money. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah, the weirdest thing or most interesting thing we found on on this one, this is silly, is you know there was these great big lizards that I guess were kind of living there along the edge of the structures that we were working around. And, uh, you know, they were just kind of hanging out watching us. And so we got a lot of cool footage of them and it was just cool to see the wildlife out there. And it's pretty, pretty inhospitable out there. And, uh, you know, we're on the Bridgeport Ranger District. So we're in the rain shadow of the, of the Sierras, right? So it's a big desert out there called the Great Basin, basically, you know, high desert. Right. 
And I mean, it's really beautiful, but it's it's really desolate and inhospitable. And so to see that life out there, you know, and and to think about all the people who lived out there that were mining gold, and then go to go look at the, uh, you know, the burial site up on the hill, um, you know, kind of kind of makes you think about how how lucky we are now, you know, maybe how tough those folks were back in back in those days in the mid late eighteen hundreds. Oh, but yeah, so, you know, I'd say just the wildlife was really cool this time. I had a great time with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen uh, the movie uh, There Will Be Blood, so I understand exactly how it was back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's wild to think about, definitely. Break your I leg and drag in yourself into town. Yeah. Of those two mine sites they mined, this is like in 19, you know, hundreds time. Right. The 1900s, I think, was when the mine closed. Um, so $7 million out of the two of gold with that kind of technology, you know, so the mining claims are still active, which is another, you know, key partner in, in managing these historic sites is, you know, there's still a, a mine claim open and there there's plans to continue mining, you know, at the two sites that we worked on. And, uh, you know, luckily the mining company is, is bought into preserving that and preserving access for the motorized community to enjoy them. You know, so there's a number of levels of like, involvement that it takes to support places that we all love you know and i hope i hope you guys are involved i hope your listeners are involved in that in your local places and and you know if not you support organizations like tread lightly so you know we can we can keep doing that and, and helping places that that you all play in so let's say i'm a your average deep talk show listener i've been uh, moved by this uh uh, this dialogue about uh, protecting the places that we go wheeling and off road, and I want to be a part of this. I want to. I want to get out there and help. I would assume the uh, you know step me through the process. The first thing I'd want to want to do is is either be part of an organization or uh, be a member of Tread Lightly, or, or maybe both. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say do both. You know, um, I mean, I just talked about this at the the Outdoor Adventure Expo. Kind of what the steps are. You know, or our staff did about kind of what the steps are. Of, you know, being engaged in public land management. So first you got to go out, you know, and be, be part of public lands, you know, and enjoy those places and any kind of have the lens of, you want to be able to give back, you know, so, so maybe look for those opportunities, you know, next is to find a club, you know, or some, some group that, that supports that place and, you know, start to learn from them about, you know, what they do and how they support that. I would say the next step would be to join an organization like, tread lightly to leverage some resources and to meet up with your local land manager, whatever, if that's a state or federal person, or, you know, maybe it's a a private entity that owns a park, you know, and let them know that you're interested in helping those places, you know, at that point, man, then you can start applying for some grants. And, you know, if, if you're really interested in educating in a more formal way, you can kind of go through our tread trainer program and, you know, that's a great opportunity for, for folks that want to get back and kind of the steps that I would take, um, you know, and then obviously becoming a Tread Lightly member. So for everybody that's listening today, we're going to we're going to give a member discount to you guys. So, you know, it's not a clean 50 percent break, but it's a pretty substantial discount on our, our membership level. So I believe the hundred dollar ones, fifty dollars and the, the two fifty ones, like one hundred and fifty bucks and the uh, the fifty dollar membership levels, twenty five bucks. There's a lot of cool opportunities there, a bunch of cool discounts from from some of our partners as well as opportunities to apply for our grants um you know to support your local trails so please do that you just go to treadlightly.org you know click on the become a member tab fill out your personal info um you'll get to a point that asks for a discount code the code will be tl member 
and then you want to put Jeep Talk Show as the the club or SBO in the drop down tab after you put the code in. And uh, you guys will get a pretty good discount on some stuff. So please sign up and check that out and go to, go to treadlight.org and support our mission and, you know, take care of your public lands and be a good ambassador, you know. Yeah, that's an excellent discount, folks. I mean, uh, $25 for a $50 membership. I would assume that these things are annual memberships or is this a one yes, and done? Sir. Okay, annual yes, membership. Yes, annual membership, yeah. So, uh, the, uh, so the 50 is uh, 25, 100 is, uh, is 50, 250 is 150. So, guys, this is a great opportunity to get in on those that $100 uh, individual membership. I mean, it's only going to cost you 50 bucks, and you're helping out a great organization that's been doing uh, good work for a long time. And you can be part of it as well. You can get out there and be uh, part of the cleanup or uh, I, I would assume you guys do more than just clean up with the trails you uh, I would assume you keep them clear as well or am I wrong? About yeah that? oh yeah yeah absolutely so we do you know brushing and I mean occasionally we have to you know build some fences around say sensitive areas um, but yeah we do trail clearing type of projects and any type of road maintenance type of work or trail maintenance type of work you could think of or dream up we've been part of in in the last 30 years. <laughs> So you build bridges and everything. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the the land management type thing uh, is there. Do you do anything in Texas? It seems like everything in Texas, none of it is is state owned or open. It's all you know. uh, Sure, a lot of private lands in Texas. Yeah. So um, you know, the kind of the name of the game out there is you go, you work on the parks, and and I'm sure that's where you guys wheel a lot at, like Barnwell Mountain. Yep. Um, so, you know, we've supported projects out there on Barnwell Mountain. Those, those are a great set of dudes out there. Um, that's a fun park and place to go play. And I know the, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of the name now. I hope I don't, I don't mess up. I think it's the Golden Triangle Off-Road Club, though, down around Port Arthur, Beaumont. You know, I know that they've done, applied for some grants and, and received Tread Like the Grants in the past and, and do work for, for trails down there. And so, yeah, um, we definitely do stuff in Texas, man. We're always looking for other opportunities. So, you know, most mostly Tony has been with with the park system, though. Right. Well, that as makes far sense. As our work, and it's been mostly trail maintenance type of stuff. You're cutting brush and you know, uh, building obstacles, you know, and whatnot. Yep. Now I, I, we have a uh, a friend of the show and uh, a past guest, uh, Clint Duncan, that is uh, is a part of the uh, the Barnwell uh, setup, and I, and I believe they're actually uh, have been working on a new area. Uh, yeah, to, to Barnwell as well. So big shout out to Clint, and I know he's, uh, uh, I, I know he's on top of that, uh, that uh, all that uh, lending his time and service uh, to uh, to the off road. Uh, oh yeah, Barnwell's thing. been a, a great partner of ours, and and you know, I, I definitely uh, know they they support the tread lightly ethic, and I know they have that embedded in some of the science. I've been out there a couple times myself, and yeah, it's a, it's a really fun place, and and we work all over Tony, so there's there's not a a part of the country that you know we don't want to have some positive effect on public lands and and on motorized recreation and maybe sometimes that's educating people about what motorized recreation is and how how they how much we get back and and how kind of most people that really go outside and adventure are probably motorized recreationists to a certain degree right so uh, you mentioned you know getting a, a getting in uh, in place with a uh, an organization a, uh, a a team an organization or something that would go out there and help clean these things up. Uh, if sure. the organization that you're ge- becoming a member in or being becoming a part of isn't with Trail uh, Tread Lightly, rather, uh, how would the that they get that organization involved with Tread Lightly? Yeah, so you guys again go to treadlightly.org. 
Um, same kind of process. Hit on become a member. There's a couple different levels. You can become an SBO, you know, a small business um, level partner of Tread Lightly or a club level if you're if you're a club and you're listening to this off road club or or you know UTV club whatever you guys call it. Um, if you're into public lands and motorized recreation and, and you're part of an organized group, yeah, check that out. Just go to our, our member page and there's a couple different levels of that. We'd love to have your support. You know, we're flexible and in, in organizations that want to help out too. So, you know, you can get a hold of me, obviously Evan at, at treadlightly.org is my email. And, you know, if you guys want to kind of talk about how to partner with tread lightly in, in bigger ways from a, from a, you know, business type of level, I'd love to chat about that. Now, I know you said you guys do uh, education and training. Do you have any like online videos that give people kind of a taste of uh, what sure. the education is and, and where yeah, we can find yeah. those? You can check us out on social media. So tread lightly dot or tread lightly team on like Instagram, you know, and Twitter and whatnot. And then you can go to uh, just tread lightly dot org on YouTube and check out our, our YouTube channel. So there's lots of cool stuff up there. You can see some of my projects over the years. And obviously the website too is probably really the best place to link to that though. So just tread lightly.org and then, you know, look at some of the project descriptions. But yeah, we, uh, you guys can definitely get a taste of what it looks like to do some trail work and how much fun we have. And, you know, it should be fun. That should be the first step in giving back to these places is that you go enjoy them first and then, you know, and then try to get back to, to these spots that are, you know, so meaningful and really irreplaceable. Yeah, and we're not going to say that you will find gold, but we're not going to not say that you're going to find gold while you're cleaning up out there. (laughs) Evan, I want to thank you a lot. I think we covered uh, covered it all with the the, the great discounts that you guys are giving us and also, too, that thing that the the kids love these days, all the social media. So I think we have a a, a wrapped-up interview here, and I want to thank you very much. I know this was a a long time getting set up and uh, and coming, and hopefully we can get you on again uh, real soon because we need to keep getting this tread lightly dot org uh message out so people know to keep it clean out there and how they can uh clean up not only when they're there and uh what is it uh, uh pack it in pack it out uh make the trip yeah you know leave places better than you found exactly them, pack it, pack yeah. it out. you know i was whatever you call it i would say this when we're out on the trail just have a have a good land use ethic you know just give back to those places and you know we'll all have opportunities and it's not these big projects really that are the backbone it's the little things that people do so you know, get back in the little ways, pick up that can on the trail when you're out there that some somebody left. Those little things make a huge difference, you know, and, and I thank all your listeners and, and you, Tony, for having me on there and supporting the Tread Lightly ethic. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Evan. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks again to Evan Robbins for taking the time to talk about Tread Lightly and TreadLightly.org and the Tread Lightly principles. We all need to do our part, keep public lands and the trail systems we use and love open for any and all outdoor recreation. And do you have an idea for a guest? Maybe you work in the off-road industry or maybe know somebody who does. Maybe you yourself would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. We always say everybody has a Jeep story to tell. We want to hear yours. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now. Reach out to us and share your idea for our next great guest. Who knows? It could be you. Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Hey, Tony, Josh, and Wendy. Campfires are one of my favorite things about camping. I remember growing up camping with my family. It was always a fun family event, collecting the firewood, cooking the dinner, making pie iron sammies, and s'mores. Now when I go back home to visit my sisters, we have a campfire, and we share stories from the good old days. Campfires are always a fun time, 
Except there's that one pesky problem with campfires. The smoke always seems to follow you around. It follows me around anyway. I always feel like it's just me. But the more campfires I share with others, the more I realize it isn't just me the smoke likes to follow around. Well, after a little internet Googling, there is some science behind the smoke following me around. It's physics working its magic. When a fire burns, it creates a partial vacuum. This vacuum sends the hot air created by the fire upward and pulls the cooler air into the fire. All things being equal with no wind, an undisturbed fire should send smoke straight up in the air. Now, the issue is we create a tiny disturbance in the vacuum when we stand next to the fire. We are blocking some of that air from filling up the vacuum, which creates a low pressure area. The smoke created by the fire will start moving in the direction of the low pressure area, which gives off the impression that the smoke is following you. Now, a second reason is our clothes are absorbing the heat from the fire. The heat that absorbs into our clothing is what helps make us warm on the inside. However, it also warms the air around us. That warm air will start to rise, further affecting the vacuum. Since the air is rising, the smoke will gravitate towards that empty space, and you guessed it, it gives you a wonderful flow of smoke straight to your face. Now, unfortunately, these reactions occur regardless of where you are sitting by the fire. So how can you stop the smoke from following you around? Well, to do that, just don't have a fire. <laughs> just kidding. Um, well, that is one, reason, one good way to do it, but you need to avoid that vacuum. But how do you do that? First, there is a limit to where the new air is being pulled into the fire, and each fire is different with how big the fire is, the obstructions around the fire, and the wind. So you're going to need to experiment with each fire. Just keep moving backwards until the smoke stops following you around. Now, if there's a wind, utilize that wind, but don't sit on the side of the fire that the wind is blowing towards. Now, if the wind changes directions, of course, you will need to reposition yourself. Now, if you're going to be shifting to a new spot around the fire, try to walk away from the fire a little bit to avoid bringing the smoke with you. Also, try for a smokeless fire by using dry firewood. Damp firewood creates smoke. So do the leaves and grass and all those other materials you use as tinder. And position your firewood that's going to allow airflow in the fire. Next time I'm at a campfire, I'm going to be testing out all these suggestions. And I'm going to keep you posted. I'm going to do my own scientific experiment. If you have any other solutions that have worked for you, please share them by giving us a call and leaving a voicemail. Next week on Jeep Life, how to get that smoke smell, that campfire smoke smell, out of your hair and clothes. Well, do you have suggestions to keep the smoke from following you at your next campfire? <laughs> well, let us know. And let us know how Tammy's Jeep Life compares with yours. We're always looking for Jeep stories, so contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. Hey, and speaking of campfires, uh, you know, you heard our campfire segment in our last episode. And if you want to be a part of the next campfire segment in our next episode, be sure to, well, head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and sign up for our newsletter. It's very easy to, uh, to sign up, and it's just as easy to unsubscribe, but it's the best way to get the inside information about what's going on with the Jeep Talk Show.
Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to follow us on Facebook and help us take over the social media Jeep world. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. If this don't do it, ain't nothing will. Podcasting since 2010.